Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm joined by a United legend, a man who was a star from a bygone era, not just for United but for Celtic too. I'm with Lou Macari. Welcome, Lou. Thanks, Andy. And I see you around an awful lot at games. We spoke at Yeovil, I remember, but I've never had a, a proper sit-down chat with you in the last, and maybe for a year or two, but. Of one television programme I've seen in the last year that has had an impact um, on me personally and also a lot of people judging by the reaction, it was marvellous about the former Stoke City kit man. And it was an inc- it was incredibly powerful piece of television. It was wonderful. And I'm not embarrassed to say it, I shed a tear at one point in it. And I'm not an overly <laughs> sentimental type of person, but it was just a beautiful piece of television. And... You knew that this guy existed. It, it wasn't drama. It was real life. And you were a major part in that. Well, I've shed a tear as well, Andy, and I never thought I would do but watching any television programme. But uh, I've seen it a few times now, and I shed a tear every time. Um, my kit man, who's watched it 41 times, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's going for a record. Uh, every time I see him, and I ring him up quite regular, I see how many times he's seen it now, and... Last time it was 32, now it's up to 41. Um, but I can understand him wanting to see it over and over again because it's something he probably, ne- well, BAFTER and whatever, he never ever considered, like myself, um, what the outcome would be. It simply was, as I'm talking to you now, I sat down with a writer in a hotel in Stoke-on-Trent for about three hours one day talking about my time at Stoke my time with my kit man, what I asked him to do and what he did for me, which is what you see in the drama. And um, he went away, and after he went away, I thought, well, that's the last time I'll see him again. I thought it was some kind of joke. You know, I've played plenty of jokes on my teammates in the past, so I thought, here's somebody getting a bit of revenge on me and trying to tell me that this is heading for television. But, of course, it did head for television. Um, I saw it in London at a premiere. I saw it in, in Stoke at a premiere, and... I thought, well, this is all right. And the reaction from the, the people that were there was, was fantastic, but you'd expect that in Stoke-on-Trent. Um, and then the night it was on BBC, which was September, I think it was 25th or 26th, uh, I couldn't see it. It was actually at Old Trafford at a Ryan Giggs tribute dinner. And the dinner went on till well after 11. I switched my phone off, obviously. And it was on BBC at 9 o'clock till 10.30. So when I came out of the dinner, obviously the first thing I did was switched my phone on, and all it did was beep, and it beeped and beeped and beeped. I got in the car, and all the way, it's almost stuck on Trent. It never stopped beeping, and I thought, oh, something's happened here, I wonder what it is, and I didn't for one minute think it was people were all phoning up to congratulate me on, on what they thought of it. I just thought there's something that uh, must have come across a certain way on television, and uh, I stopped to listen to some of the messages, and they were all obviously all complimentary, and... Um, the last part of my journey along the A500, it stopped to my house in about 15 minutes. And I've got to admit, I cried the whole way home. Um, I don't know why, and I still to this day don't know why, but I'd realised then it was, it had been accepted as being, as being good, no more than that. And then people started talking about a BAFTA, and I'd never heard of a BAFTA. I didn't, I didn't know how it worked, I didn't know what you do. And of course, um, as we got nearer the time, it had been in the final four, and still when it's in the final four, you're delighted, but 
like I've always been, I want to be a winner. I don't want to be in the first four. Not like United, <laughs> you know, being in the top four is great, but I wanted to be in that number one spot. And um, I didn't know that was going to happen until the night of the BAFTAs. Sat there in in the Theatre Royal in Drury Lane in completely different surroundings. And I'd never been used to all these people, you know, Sir Alan Sugar and Karen Brady and lots of other real, you know, Ant and Deck and... Um, what did Nello make of that, the surroundings? Of course, he'd already met archbishops. He'd already been on yeah. the starting line at the Oxford and Cambridge boat race. He probably wasn't overawed by it. Took it all in his stride. Did it? And as though this has been normal throughout his life. And, of course, it hasn't been normal. And on the way down in the train to the BAFTAs, he said to me, um, uh, who will be there? And I mentioned all the names. And he said, well, Sir Alex will be there. And I said, no, I don't think he will be. But then a couple of weeks later, we, we were at a league manager's uh, end of the season function and he asked me we went down to that as well we were invited down the two of us and he asked me would Sir Alex be there and I said I don't think so but we arrived at the hotel and who was standing at reception but Sir Alex and, and had he seen Marvellous at the time no and he said oh I can tell his exact words here they come <laughs> here they come you two are more famous than me now <laughs> so that was a that was a real compliment he hadn't seen it and he actually said to me my wife's seen it she says it's ab she said it's absolutely brilliant but i'm going to get to see it and uh, i'm looking forward to it and then yesterday at breakfast i didn't know he'd arrived here in, in san jose he, he was in the restaurant come over and he says hey he said come here i said what he said give me a big hug and said, seen it three times now. Really? Yeah, I've seen it three times, which coming from our greatest manager is a real compliment. And uh, I said to him, well, I was just about to say, what do you think? But he just said, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I think uh, I think the boss, with it being about football, you know, was really into it because of the, the scenes in it about the football and the kit man coming in and, you know, Alex going back to his time at... Manchester United, well, you know, the kit, kit man, he had Norman Davis and he had Albert and both characters in their own right. So he, um, it made my day. As a matter of fact, it made my week and it's made my trip. Yeah. So getting that compliment from from the boss is, is, is fantastic. And did you really spot Nello in a car park? I did. As, as everybody was leaving. And I'd... what did you see in him that, that you thought... He could be good in a dressing room well, because, because I know a lot of people would be pretty harsh of making a judgment of someone with learning difficulties. You saw something in him where you thought he can be good in a professional dressing room full of professional sportsmen. Yeah, um, he was there at the beginning of the day when I walked, walked in, as you've seen on, on, in the drama. Um, just as you, you saw in the drama, he was singing along with the rest of them and wishing me all the best. But then when I come out after work, he was the only one there because it was something like eight hours later. <laughs> 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 and I thought, anybody that's waited eight hours for me... And what did he say to you? Hey, I, well, I said to him, what are you doing still here? And he said, I just wish you all the best and all that. <laughs> He'd wished you all the best yeah, eight hours yeah. before. <laughs> but he, he, well, he's one of them that does hang around, and I yeah. got to know him better after that. And, uh, you know, I, I looked at him and, of course, I asked him why he wasn't at work, and he told yeah. me he'd been sacked out from the circus. <laughs> and I, well, I did that, Andy. I started laughing, and I didn't mean to be rude, but I started laughing because I'd never known anybody sacked from the circus. <laughs> so that tickled me right away. That, that really, really tickled me. And I thought... So then I asked him what he did in the circus in case it was something that 
would uh, you could understand why he'd been sacked. And when he told me he used to fall off the back of the fire engine and kids used to throw stuff over him, I thought, how the bloody hell can you get sacked for that? <laughs> but, but sacked he was, and, and, and I, 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 I just... I liked the circus clown bit, and I yeah. thought dressing room, yeah. circus clown, performer. Yeah. So I did what you see in the drama, and I said, you want to work for me? And straight away? Yeah, right Darren away. Darren then, because you needed the kit man. Yeah, I said, come in on Monday, Yeah. and um, you start on Monday. And he uh, said yes straight away? He said yes straight away. I gave him 25 quid. I said, got the costume shot before you come in and stoke. Yeah. Get some gear on. Yeah. I said, and come in as though you're a performer. Yeah. So, and he came, and um, of course the players didn't know what to expect, and yeah. he came and walked in the door, and somebody said to me, who's that? I said, it's a new kit man. Mm. Of course, he had a chicken outfit on, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and the response from the players was ranging from, I can't swear on here, Andy, can I? Yeah, you can. Well, yeah. let's just say it was that you see on Twitter, FFS, yeah. Yeah. right? That was nearly every one of them saying, FFS, you must be joking. So how old would, would Nello have been at the time? At the time, he 50s. would have been... Um, he would have been... Probably fifty. Yeah. So you, your your new kit man is is a fifty year old man with learning difficulties dressed as a chicken. That's it on the first day. And you've got seasoned pros there. Who yeah. would have been the bigger names there? Uh, we had we had Mark Steen there. We were taking him in and yeah. um, and and he, he he got he set about his work and yeah. was he a good kit man? Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a pause. <laughs> no. Well. His job was his job was he got the kit out in the morning, yeah, yeah. took the kit back up after they trained, yeah. um, made sure that everything was ready for the game on a Saturday. Um, but the highlight of his day every day was lunchtime. Yeah. Because a big eater. Yeah. So <laughs> the kit didn't really matter. <laughs> and um it, it just it just grew and then Well he grew. Well he grew <laughs> he certainly grew. <laughs> um and and the, the sort of the sort of response from the players to him was was fantastic. Did it change at first? Was it like who's this idiot? And and did people warm to him, or or did they embrace him straight away? Uh, they embraced him straight away because he was clever. Right. In what Without way? trying to be clever. Yeah. He'd an answer for their smart smart, smart remarks. Cracks, yeah. Um, and if he didn't, he used to come and see me and ask me what he should do about it. <laughs> but lots of things happened, Andy, that made it all, I can assure you, made it all really worthwhile for us. Yeah. You know, he, he was locked in the sauna, yeah. fully clothed for about two hours one day. By and who? By all the players. They put a broom across the sauna door so he couldn't get out. And I rescued him <laughs> hours later. And, and But he loved it. Um, he loved all those sort of things. What was he like when he came out of the sauna? Red. <laughs> Red. Um, did he complain? Did, did he not like... Never complained about anything. Did he Never not? complained. I used to give him the money and I said, Got the, we're going away to Hartlepool. Yeah. Uh, go and get... Uh, there's 25 quid again. Go and get a... I want you to be Lord Baldwin of Keel. <laughs> yeah. So he got to the joke shop and get the Claude Baldwin a keel outfit, which was top, top yeah. hat and tails, yeah. and we'd make our way to play Hartlepool and get yeah. to into the hotel up at North East on the Friday night. And I would inform all the staff in the hotel that yeah. it's a special occasion. We've got Lord Baldwin of keel with us. Can you make sure you look after him? So we'd sit down for dinner and they'd give him the full watch because he'd be sitting with top hat and tails on. <laughs> 
and um, they would come up and address him as Lord Baldwin. Yeah. And he just took it in his stride, and at the end of the meal, they'd come with a cigar box. <laughs> He'd never seen a cigar box in his life. <laughs> so, so the players are just loving it. Yeah. Because if you're happy, you're happy. You, if you're laughing, yeah. you... Yeah. It, it just added to the team spirit. Without a doubt. And he could, and I could ask him to do something. Yeah, and he'd do it. And he'd do it. And I used to... I used to make out a falling out with somebody as managers do with a journalist. Yeah. And I used to get on the phone pretending I was speaking to this journalist on the other end. Yeah. And he'd be in my office and he'd be looking at me, he'd yeah. be listening and he'd be watching. And I'd be going to this journalist, you can don't yeah. F in you hell. Can F off, yeah. yeah, don't F you can don't come near this place again. Yeah. You gave somebody nine nine out of ten last week and he yeah. should have ten out of ten, yeah. now F off sort of thing. He'd take all this in. Yeah. And about two hours later before the match this particular journalist would come and pick up his tickets, he'd be waiting for him at the front door and he'd throw him out, not realising I was joking, with a, with a local radio guy called George Andrews, <laughs> who's, who's a, he's very funny and he's very witty, but he does the radio every week, so I give it one of the, for one of the games, George, you're an absolute disgrace, slammed the phone down on him. And, um, so your kit man's waiting to eject him when he arrives, yeah, but he's so done nothing wrong. He's done nothing so you, wrong. So you just get this complete breakdown in communication. <laughs> He thinks, why have I been <laughs> yeah. stopped from doing my yeah. job? So with this particular <laughs> one with George Andrews, I thought, right, it's going to be funny. He'll, he'll do the usual eject him. So the game starts. I forget who we're playing. I'm sitting in the dugout, and he's in the back. I'll slung him right in the back. And one of the, the club sort of officials yeah. popped their head round the dugout after about 15 minutes <laughs> well, into the, the match. Yeah, and says to me, uh, boss, uh, George Andrews is tied up in the kit room. He's bound and gagged. <laughs> Shall I let him out? And I went, what? He says he's, he's got a, he's got sellotape over his mouth and he's he's been tied up. So I looked round at him and of course he's done it. And I said, yeah, of course you can let him out. I said, he's supposed to start work at three o'clock, match commentary. So all those things, and he showed his loyalty towards me. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. And, and that's what I expected from him to start with because he, he was kind and he was he was... And you know, in football, you, when you when you're employing anybody, whether it be a player, whether it be backroom yeah, staff, yeah, yeah, yeah. you never know what you're employing mm. until you get them. But I knew right away what I was employing. I was employing somebody that would be delighted to be at work every day, yeah. Um, yeah. love every minute of it because he was a Stoke supporter. Yeah. And his job from the circus, I just thought that we can we can bring that into the football club. And fans knew who he was. Was he a character? So oh, yeah. So you'd go away to Hartlepool and there might be a thousand stoke there. They all know who he was. So did he sing his name as well? Yeah, they sang his name. And he loved it. He loved it. That's how he played. It. I mean, I was always going to play him, but at Villa Park, mm. in the testimonial, it was Gordon Cowan's testimonial, I'd stripped him and put him on the bench and I'd jokingly said to him about half an hour from the end because he couldn't last half an hour. I couldn't. Yeah. I'd go and get warmed up. He got warmed up. Um, but the Stoke supporters made about 4,000 that night mm. behind the goals kept chanting we want Nello so I told them to get warmed up behind the goals right next to them all so this is like a dream come true it's a dream come true from so he went round there he got warmed up and then when he came back to the dugout exhausted I may add and just warming up they're all chanting we want him we want Nello on the pitch yeah. so I put him on Yeah. and um, it's the only thing in the drama which wasn't true but he, yeah. he rectified that when he was asked did you score yeah. and he went no but, so uh, he came on? He came on. For how long? Uh, he came on for about 10 minutes. Did he touch the ball? Uh, yeah. Could he play football at all? No, he couldn't. Just, just terrible. No, just the, terrible. Yeah. He went to control the ball, yeah. missed it and hit his backside yeah. and it dropped to the floor. Um, 
There's a there's a beautiful bit where he goes home and tells his mum that he's got a new job and it's working full time for Stoke City. Yeah. It's just it's just fantastic. Yeah. Well, because, because no, she didn't believe him and nobody believed him. No. But it was actually true. Yeah. Well, that's down to the writer because I wasn't aware yeah. that happened, and mm. when I saw that in the movie, I liked that. Mm. That was, that was that was great to see him. He's he's on the road to recovery now, mm. and I think the greatest thing about the whole story, wrapping it all up in one, is this is a guy who did get the sack from the circus, mm. as you saw the ringmaster told me fuck off. Yeah, I uh, did get the sack, and then whatever number of years later, and I haven't exactly counted up. He's at the BAFTAs, mm. at the Theatre Royal in London. It cannot happen to anybody. Yeah. It's just impossible. Yeah. But and, and for me as well, Andy, you know, I start off as a footballer. I start off dreaming of playing for Celtic, winning the Scottish Cup, winning whatever I can for Celtic. Then, of course, I come to United and, I, and I'm thinking the same, what I can win for United and can I be at the club and can I stay there long enough? And, well, that happened for me. I stayed there 11 years, but mm. at no time... Ever, ever did I think about a BAFTA. Did you think you were going to win the BAFTA? Um, yeah, I did. You did? Yeah. Because you just thought it's better than the competition? No, I, d- I didn't even know what the competition was. Right. Never seen the competition. Yeah. I just thought the response I'd had from that night in September mm. to the BAFTA night, mm. uh, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. And it's only at the end that I think, yeah, this is it's going to happen. Have you brought him to Old Trafford? Has he ever been? He's to been to Old Trafford, yeah. Has he? Yeah. Um, brought him up for a game and um, loved every minute of it. Yeah. Loved the buffy. <laughs> loved the buffy in the Warwick Suite. Right. <laughs> and around Stoke. And, and sorry, and and presented the um, Man United disabled. We we presented them with a hundred DVDs of Marvelous. Yeah. Which went That's down great on the night. Muds are a wonderful group yeah. and they do a lot of work and there's good people there and they featured on a previous podcast. And we will do another one with you this year, Muds, so maybe go to an away game um, with you. I know you've got to get off um, very soon. Um, let's talk a little bit about Manchester United rather than your former kit man at Stoke, yeah. who's <laughs> occupied the, the majority of this podcast. Um, how you, you can understand him? why, can't well, you? I think He's it's funny. great. I could talk about him for, for a long, long time. And, it's just and if you met him, you yeah. can talk about him even more. And he's a character in Stoke, yeah. I'd imagine, around the pot. So if, would he be known in like at Kiel or in Burslem or in, Everywhere. in Hanley? Everyone knows him. Yeah. Yeah. He's better known than me. Yeah. And and people feel like they, they care for him. I like yeah. that. That society shouldn't just be the survival of the fittest. Yeah. That people have a duty to care for, for others. And they can't all become like Nello and become kit men or no. have BAFTA winning programmes made about him. But but there's a, a lot of good humanity in that in that programme, and it's uh, and it was it was hugely enjoyable. United this year we were sat here in California um, ahead of the fifteen sixteen season. How are you thinking that the club will do this year? The team will do. There's four new signings come in so far. What do you make of? Well, I think after last year, Andy, I'm a bit cautious because yeah. we were on the tour last year, we were undefeated, and yeah. you automatically take the view, that's it. People we're got carried away. Got carried away a little bit. and um, beating Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, and until you until you see, I think, the first few Premier League games, mm. I think it's difficult to, to actually sum up, but brought in four, four new players, mm. which has created real competition for places in that, that area. Mm. 
in that midfield area, if you want to call it, uh, which is good for any club. Um, goalkeeping situations a little bit, uh, well, uncertain at this moment in yeah. time, let's say, and I, I'd prefer it not to be uncertain. Yeah. Because for me... But what can United do about that? You've got a situation where a player is under contract. Real Madrid are used to getting what they want. And David De Gea, he's nothing but professional here. I've seen him around, he's smiling. But clearly he would prefer to play for Real Madrid in, in his hometown. I can understand that. But I don't, I don't think United should be bullied. Or do you think it's better sort it out and get a replacement in? Or, I, I mean, you don't have to agree with me at all, I quite like the fact that United are saying, we'll do business if you want to give us Ramos. Don't think you can come and bully us. We're not a village football team, we're Manchester United. But I'm not a football manager. How do you see it as a manager? Would you prefer some continuity? Or is there plenty of time left? There's still a month left of the transfer window. I think there's no doubt the manager would like everything sorted long yeah. before the season starts. And, you know, we've got one goalkeeper here mm. in San Jose, Sam Johnson. Yeah. Um, but if there's problems which there are nowadays Andy I don't need to tell you you're yeah. in the football game there's yeah. there's massive problems nowadays with the, any transfer compared yeah. to to my day I jumped, yeah. I jumped in the car in Scotland via yeah. Liverpool end up in Manchester and sign because yeah. I want to sign I want to play here and but you were going to sign for Liverpool and then Mr. I no, had no option yeah Mr. Crerand intercepted yeah. you Faddy was there and yeah he's not yeah. here yeah. he was yeah. there yeah, yeah. yeah. Faddy was there and uh, anyway I, I end up at the place that uh, I had a choice, Liverpool yeah. are here. No hesitation, I came here, but that no hesitation doesn't happen anymore. Mm. Uh, these players, you know, I don't think it's their fault totally. They've got an entourage advising them. Mm. The advice normally is bad. Mm. Um, where you should go, where you shouldn't go. And let's be honest, those that are following, looking after, supposedly looking after the players are, are only looking after themselves. Mm. And if there's, a, if there's more bucks somewhere else, mm. they'll, they'll advise them to go there. Um, and I think we've seen the last of the days where you're going to get players who really, really want to come and play for Manchester United. Mm. I argue with Paddy about this. Paddy still says, yeah, there's players that want to come and play for Manchester United. Mm. I'm not so sure about that. But I can understand here. He's from Madrid. Yeah. It's Real Madrid. Yeah. I don't hold it against him. No. You know, his partner's in Madrid. His family no. are in Madrid. His friends are in Madrid. No. But Manchester United are saying, you have signed a contract and you are our player. And I, I, I agree with that. But... There is uncertainty, but isn't there always uncertainty at a football club? Aren't you always? When you were manager of, of Celtic or Stoke or Swindon, there were, I'm sure there was never a time where everything was going swimmingly well and you didn't have doubts over somebody. Uh, it was a lot easier then. Was it? Yeah, a lot easier. This, this because of the money in the game now. Mm. But there's money, you know. Yeah, you no, the money, the money now is just it's getting out of hand. It's it's overtaking anything else. So there's more people playing part in the decision making Without process. A doubt. Yeah. So the old football agent might have been, you know, someone you could converse with. Now you go into a company. Yeah. You're talking image rights. You're yeah. talking. You know, it's complicated. It's complicated. It's not right. It's and there's ego as well. There's ego. United and Madrid are two heavyweights. Yeah. They, they don't want to back down. They don't need to back down. Yeah. They don't need to sell anyone. I don't really get the connection though between De Gea and, and, and Ramos because if De Gea wants to go to Real Madrid, mm. he wants to go to Real Madrid. But Ramos has just come on the scene mm. supposedly late on mm. and we don't even know, Andy, whether he wants to come to Manchester United. Mm. We don't know that. We've read all the reports in the paper no. and that's the lads who write in the paper. That's the yeah. job yeah. to fill the back pages. Yeah. So, well, you know, I, I'm based between Barcelona and Manchester and it's my job. I make a full-time living right about football and I've spoken to people. Um, 
who know the Ramos situation well. I've not had any indication that he wants to go to Manchester United. I've been told that he's not happy in Madrid. He's yeah. fallen out big time with Florentino Perez. That could change in a month's time. Could when, change in a day. When he's, when he's, he's had the rise that maybe he wants. said he's surrounded by people of sometimes dubious character. So you're building up a picture of, of yeah. somebody... But why should United let the hair go a year early? He signed a contract. Why should you let a brilliant goalkeeper? Oh, I would be delighted. If what would you do? I, well, I'd be delighted if the powers that be here said, no, you're not going, yeah. you're staying here. Yeah. But then... But they have said that. But things might... Clearly, if a player wants to leave any football club, yeah. it's very, very difficult. Yeah. End of. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult situation. There's, there's, brinkman, there's brinkmanship in there. You know, it's a difficult situation for everyone involved, but I don't get the link and between De Gea moving and Ramos possibly moving. If De Gea's going to move, he's going to move. If Ramos is coming here, it's a completely separate deal, completely separate thing, completely separate agents and, and people looking for different money. Um, but, you know, you're, you're closer to it than, than I am, as you say, in Spain. And you haven't had any indication that he wants to join Real Madrid. Uh, he wants no. to join Manchester United. Mm. Well, that's good enough for mm. me because that's the feeling I get. Mm. Now, now, if he doesn't see a future at Madrid, he will look around at the four or five clubs who could afford him, yeah. and United would be one of them. Yeah. I've not heard any stories that you know he used to dream of standing on the strip for yeah. when he was a kid in Seville. He's a Seville fan. Yeah. He's not a Real Madrid fan. And I don't think he's particularly pining to live in Manchester apart and leave a, a world-class city in, in, in Madrid. But I think United are saying, look, um, do, we'll, we'll do business with you, but it has to be on our terms and not just your terms. You can't just come and cherry-pick our best goalkeeper at a low fee because he's got a year left on his contract. If you want him, will you, you give us Ramos then? Well, when you're in the last year of your contract, it's not a case of putting a price on your goalkeeper's head. There is a sort of, but a figure that he's worth because it's, he's it's, in, it's a low one. Well, it is a low one anyway because you're in the last year of your yeah. contract. I think that applies to all players in this contract situation we've got now. This, um, I just like to see it cleared up. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate uncertainty, but I really hate uncertainty regarding your player of the year for the last two years. Aside from from that. Which other um, players are you happy with? You know, you seem that like um, Luke Shaw's looked fitter on this tour, hasn't he? Well, happy with them all because yeah. we've won the games. Yeah. They are fit. They're getting fitter. They, they haven't picked up any injuries. Whereas you know, at the end of the tour last year, there's yeah. we a fair injury list. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got to wait. We must must wait until see the Premier League games. No disrespect to the American yeah. teams. Yeah. They're not a test for Well, look United. at last year, beat Real Madrid and then lose at home yeah. to Swansea. What, tactically, what system do you think um, Louis van Gaal will go with? It seems to be a 4-3-3. Um, three, three. Well, a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, it was difficult for him last season because of the injuries he picked up changing, and, he, and he changed it around. But we came here and we started off with three at the back, which I never fancied. I never thought that would work. Um, but we won all the games, so it's ludicrous for me to say, that's not going to work. Yeah. But then we changed it from one thing to another. I just think at Manchester United, especially at Old Trafford, uh, it's not so much about the system, it's about the personnel you pick to go out there and play, what they can do on the pitch. And that's where it's always been, going back to the days of George Best and, and even before that. You don't seem to be a man who's obsessed by tactical no, systems. No, I'm not, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just about the players. Yeah. Um, you get results down to the players. You get good good results down to the players. You get bad results down to the players. 
and over the years um, that I was at Old Trafford with three different managers I never had a manager that actually told me and preached to me before I went out what to do we went out we ran around we played and if we, ha- if we didn't do that he would get us at the end of the game and say wasn't happy with your contribution today there wasn't enough from you yeah yeah. simple as that yeah ok we're going to leave you you're going to go into San Francisco maybe we can join you further on in the season for another chat no um, problem not all about Nello um, <laughs> next time, but I have enjoyed um, speaking about him. And you're enjoying your work, you're doing MUTV stuff, Lovely, aren't you? yeah, it's great. Mm. Yeah, I just wish Paddy was here. I know. You know, he's great company. He is, he is. Good character. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great that he's, he's he's done it for so long, and not to say that he's not going to come back on tours, but he's in his mid-70s, he's still got a sharp brain, terrible jumpers. And <laughs> he's, he's a very good people person. Um, Paddy, he's good with the fans. And character. He's, he's good around people, and you know, he, he can't carry on forever. No, you know? but he should filled in his visa form properly. Be here. <laughs> I actually don't trust his ability to fill it in. This is this is a man who stored the numbers in his mobile phone. He wrote them down on the inside of his glasses case. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Luke. No problem. Thanks, Andy. That's it for the this United We Stand podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening to Lou as much as I enjoyed speaking to him. You know, and I see Lou, I think it's great that you see former players like him at Manchester United games now, home and away. I've seen him all over the country and all over Europe and all over the world. And I know it's part of his job. I know he gets paid to do it. But I see a man in love with football. I see a man who's never short of an opinion about football. And I see a good man with happy memories of Manchester United I can sort of remember him from my youth as, as, as a player and I remember him being a very good player, but I'm told that in his day he was an absolute cracking player, Lou, Lou Macari. The next podcast will be next week. Manchester United are playing a game against a team called Liverpool and we will have a podcast around that. Please spread the words of the podcasts with what we're doing. We're putting a lot of time into them, as you may have gathered. We're also putting a lot of time into the next issue of United We Stand, which goes on sale against Liverpool. We've got 44 pages of original content there. There's loads of insight. And we know that loads of you already subscribe, be it to the printed edition. You buy it at the ground. You buy it in the news agents. You get the digital edition sent to you. Just spread the word with United We Stand. We put a lot of time into it. The mag's going really well. Really pleased to say that, you know, some printed publications uh, are struggling, and I'm not pleased to say that, but like vinyl, um, United We Stand is doing all right. We're doing really well at the ground, and long may that continue, but it doesn't run on thin air. We do need support. We do need people to buy it, and plenty of you are doing that, so please spread the word, and until the next podcast, goodbye.